Well, hello and welcome to the Teamwork, A Better Way podcast. I'm Spencer Horn. Today, I'm taking over the hosting duties with my uh, next to my raconteur friend, Christian Napier. Welcome, Christian. Good to see you. Well, Spencer, it is great to see you, and uh, it's kind of fun swapping uh, swapping roles here a little bit. I'm really looking forward to it. But I have to say, before we get into anything, uh, thank you so much for uh, the very kind invitation uh, that you extended to Lynn and I to to uh, come to your uh, son and daughter-in-law's uh, wedding reception. Uh, we had a great time. Thank you, and congratulations uh, on their on their. I don't know what do you call that? Their wedding, yeah. Their nuptials, yes. Uh, their nuptials, yes. 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 I was looking. I was looking through the mental thesaurus and it wasn't working. So. <laughs> right. Uh, what a what a wonderful day Friday was for us. It was a it was a full day and and we're just so happy for uh, Josh and and Ella and uh, they're 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 we think they're wonderful for for each other and we're just so happy with uh, him and their family and and her. So, but uh, yeah, thank you. That's uh, we are so glad to see you and and Lynn there and. Appreciate your your friendship, and and it's so good to be with you here today on the Teamwork a, a Better Way podcast, where we talk about ideas and concepts that really help organizations and leaders improve team performance, and ultimately to help the business, to help the grow, to help them grow. But but more importantly, there's so many leaders that are burned out and and tired and and struggling with with so many challenges, and so part of the a better way is to help lift that that burden. And one of the things that that I'm excited to talk to you about today, Christian, the reason why we're switching roles is is which you always do such a great job of of hosting is to talk about this this company that you have started. You're an incredible entrepreneur and in a you know just a very smart individual. You've done so much work in consulting with major organizations and I, I want you to talk about that. But this this tool that you've developed called Raconto, and actually a, a, an app, uh, Raconto. First of all, tell us what it is and, and where does that name come from? All right. Well, thank you, Spencer, uh, for the very kind introduction. The name Raconto comes from Esperanto. Raconto means story in Esperanto. It's all about story. And of course, that has a lot of uh, connections to romantic languages. So you may have heard the term raconteur, which is a storyteller uh, in French or, you know, cuenta in Spanish or conta in Portuguese. So you, you, it has that meaning. It's all about uh, story. And the reason that I created it initially was to help people capture their own stories, their own life stories. And uh, what we realized is that Honestly speaking, people responded to requests to tell stories more than have the motivation to tell it themselves. And when we created this request a story engine, we had no idea about the business implications or the need for companies to use this kind of a feature. And so uh, we have been uh, working with early adopters, organizations to understand their needs so that we can create a solution that is really fit for purpose for organizations and teams. And uh, I'm very, very excited to dive into that and explain it a little bit further and, and how 
storytelling uh, can become a really integral uh, component of organizations and teams. I, and I'm excited to hear that. And, and but so what I heard you say, it really started out as a way for you to to capture stories of you know family or history, and and so more of a, a family history or or a genealogical tool. And I know that that is where you initially started, and you've connected to many different uh, organizations and apps that are in that space, and and they were absolutely thrilled with it. And what we're finding and what I heard you say is that, that people are more willing to just get on tape, even in short snippets. Hey, uh, mom, do you remember the time when, can you just, would you just do a, a quick clip about that? And so you can actually start building this database of, of stories that you can compile for, for posterity. And that was, that was your motivation. Was it not? That was absolutely the motivation. And this request a story feature that you just mentioned where you ask someone to tell a story uh, is really at the heart of this term that we're using now called crowdsourcing your story. It's yeah. basically getting stories from other people, uh, getting other people to share their stories so that you don't have to do all the talking yourself. You can have other people basically telling the stories on your behalf. And, you know, from a from a from a personal standpoint or a family standpoint, there are all kinds of stories that can be captured that way by asking a number of people to tell stories about their parents or grandparents or asking people uh, to record experiences of uh, a loved one who recently passed away or, you know, as you uh, tried it out at your son's own wedding, you know, asking yeah. people uh, to tell uh, stories at, at the wedding, which was a super cool uh, use case and I appreciate you trying it out for that reason. Well, that's amazing. And that can be done on the on the corporate or business or organizational side as well. Asking asking your clients, asking your team members, asking your suppliers, your partners, your stakeholders to share brief stories with you to help build the story of your organization. You know, so a couple of things. First of all, we we loved. Uh, you know, we just thought so many people want to write at a wedding advice and and give maybe cards. And we thought, what if we could just capture that on on video? So at a, you know, at at the wedding dinner or breakfast or luncheon, we had a little QR code, and so people could scan that with their phone. And there was a message from the couple saying, "Hey, you know, we would just love to hear from you, uh, congratulations or advice or any suggestions that that you have." And it was it was fun to see, you know, friends were just saying, hey, we're so proud. We're so happy for you. And that we, now we have that in, uh, you know, as the wedding happens. So you actually capture the emotion of the moment and not just the just the note. But then as it relates to oh, and I did that with my mother who had passed away years ago, I, I got my uncles together and we, we just we created a, a great catalog of stories about my mom for, for my posterity. But then as you were talking to me about this, Christian, I was just thinking, man, as, as a consultant, as a speaker, as a coach, how great would it be? I'm always looking for testimonials, always. And, you know, I always have to stop after and say, hey, you know, uh, would, would you mind taking a video? It's really hard when you're shaking hands and just to, to capture the video in that moment unless you have a whole video team with you. But what you have developed is a way that, write in, uh, you know, a presentation or, uh, or even a, with a company, with a product, you could say, Hey, you know, give us your, your feedback with a, with a quick, with a quick video. And why explain why it's so important to have other people 
when you when you say crowdsource, that you know we usually think of raising funds, but we're talking about collecting feedback. We're talking about collecting um, both for improvement and things that you're doing well. Why is it so important that we we collect these you know these opinions of others? Well, uh, I'll I'll quote from the the Wise Owl statistic that that we show that that you shared in the description of this event and. And I hope anybody who is participating or watching, you know, please feel free to chime in with comments or, uh, you know, questions, questions that, yeah. as we're as we go along here. Uh, but but to, to to answer that question, ninety uh, percent of people trust what a what other people say about a business, what the customers say about business, more than what the business says about itself. Of course, uh, this doesn't just apply to customers, but it also applies to employees, right? Uh, we talk about how difficult it is to find talent and more and more people are looking to, well, what are, what are the employees of this company saying about it? Right. And they trust what the employees say more than what the company says about itself. And so it's absolutely imperative to get that feedback from your customers or your employees or your partners, because people trust that more than they trust you. And it just is, it just makes sense, right? This is the way it's, the, the way that world has worked for thousands of years is is we trust the testimony of others and and uh, when you have that large user base uh, giving some some uh, credibility to the story that you're sharing then your ability to convert leads into customers or to to convert candidates into hires you know all of that increases because you have other people backing you up. Yeah, independent sources, so to speak. And, and the public should be hopefully the, the best source of, of independent feedback, right? Because we always assume that people are going to be talking about their best and, and never their, their weaknesses. And so we don't really get the whole story from, you know, if I'm talking about me versus if you're talking about me. Unless I'm paying you to talk about me. <laughs> That's right. And and sometimes that happens, right? I mean, I, I get emails from several companies to say, hey, you know, um, let us know what you think of our product and we'll give you a, you know, a $25 Amazon gift card or something like that, uh, or, or give us feedback and, and we'll compensate you for that because people desperately want it. Maybe it's more about feedback generally, and it's not necessarily uh, feedback to promote their company. Uh, they want to learn what they can do better. Uh, but but that feedback is very valuable uh, to companies because it, if you can increase your, you know, your conversion rate from 20% to 30% because you have other people backing you up, I mean, it can have a significant impact on the top line revenue of, of your organization, right? So people desperately want this kind of feedback and they're, they're willing to pay for it if they need to get it. I want to talk a little bit more about your experience in storytelling. This is not your first experience. I mean, you, you've taken years of, of experience in inside of organizations. And, and that, I think, is where this distilled from, where you started with the family history. And you're like, oh, yeah, let, you know, now you're hearing so many people say, hey, we can use this organizationally. Would you talk a little bit about the genesis of where, you know, the storytelling in, in your experience started from? Sure. Uh, thank you very much, Spencer, for that question. Uh, uh, I've I've told this before, but 
But, you know, back in 2006, so this was uh, 16 years ago, I was working in Doha, Qatar on the on the Asian Games. And I met a woman there who had fled Iraq with her family. So she was a refugee and she was working for the organizing committee for the Asian Games. And she invited me and some of my coworkers over to her home for dinner. And while we were there, she started telling stories about growing up in Baghdad. And I found that really, really interesting. And uh, a light bulb clicked inside of me, which was, hey, you know, I'm talking with a real person here. This is not a caricature. And this person is not my enemy, even though she comes from a country that is in conflict with mine or we are in conflict with them on different cultures, different sides of the planet. But we had a lot more in common than we had differences. And I really believe that's true. And and in a world that is very, very polarized, uh, you know, stories help people kind of break through that polarity and you start to see other people as they really are. You, you start to value them as real human beings. You connect with their experiences. And ultimately, I believe that everybody on the planet deserves to have their story preserved and shared. And following that experience that I had in Doha, I've had a great opportunity to, to work with clients like the International Olympic Committee to help them from more of a knowledge sharing and experience lessons learned perspective to collect stories uh, from people that work on these very, very complex projects. You know, the Olympic Games is probably the most complex project in the world. And, um, and it's very difficult to communicate your experiences in writing. And we found that people could do it a lot faster and more effectively by talking rather than writing. And so the IOC, since the Rio 2016 games, has been doing just that. And I've had the great privilege to interview, I think it's, around, it's over a thousand people uh, and ask them more than 20,000 questions, uh, cataloging all of this um, contextual experience where not only you're getting the, the words, but you're seeing their you're hearing their voice. You can hear it in their voices. You can see it in their faces when they respond to these questions. It's an absolutely incredible way for people to share knowledge and experience with others as opposed to just writing it in a report. So I think that that is, you know, such a, an important point of, of what we're talking about here. You know, when you're talking about capturing the, the spirit of the event or the team or what was done, you know, sometimes what will happen is if you're reading a report, you just you won't catch that. Just like you were talking about this lady that you met in, in Baghdad, there's there's no emotional connection. And so you lose somewhat of the the impetus or the energy that is being driven uh, by that team. It's lost all the the culture and energy that was put into creating that that game, you know, the games or that organizational project or whatever it was, almost dies with with the project in the reports. What you're saying is this is a way for that to live on so that that can be imbued in in following projects or in this case other organizing committees. Is that right? It's absolutely right, Spencer. Uh, 
And not only is it beneficial for the recipients of this knowledge, it's beneficial for the contributors because they can do it much faster. Think about it like this. In the English language, a person speaks on average about 150 to 175 words a minute. If you ask them to share an experience and it takes them three minutes to do that, let's say it's roughly 500 words. Well, if you're an average typist and you type 40 words a minute, it's going to take you 11 or 12 minutes to just type that thing out. And that's if you typed it without making any mistakes or going over your words and thinking, well, maybe I should say this differently or I should include that experience differently. You easily save five to 10 times the amount of time by just having people talking as opposed to writing because it's just more efficient. We grew up talking. This is how we communicate normally. We talk with each other. When we write, and I'm not saying that writing's a bad thing, and there's a place for writing, and I think people should you know, develop their writing skills, but there is Shakespeare would agree with you. There's a cognitive and a psycho, like a, a psychomotor process uh, a psych that you have to go through to convert the thoughts in your brain, which normally would come out of your mouth, to come out of your fingers, right? So you're doing a lot of this decoding and it just takes a lot longer. So you can save a lot of time and you can get some really good raw quality uh, content responses, knowledge that's shared just through talking as opposed to writing. And we have found uh, in the work with the International Olympic Committee that people are very grateful for that. You know, what they come in and have a conversation for an hour it would have taken them days or weeks to write the equivalent report. And so, uh, you know, it's much more beneficial, I think, for the, and not for all things, because some data and statistics are better shared in reports and, and you know, spreadsheets and things of that nature. But when it comes right. to contextual knowledge and experience, it's better for the consumer and it's easier and faster for the contributor. And so for me, it's a win-win. And, and, you know, I, I just put Patrick uh, Morrison's comment up there. He said that, in other words, it becomes infectious. And, and that's really what we want. We want, uh, you know, our ideas of the culture to, to infect in a positive way because, you know, negativity can also uh, pass, but we want to pass on those good things, the successes, the, and, and help us avoid the, the mistakes. And so when it comes to team performance, Talk about how this impacts and helps the team perform in a better way. Would you dig into that a little bit more? And we love your comments and questions, so please continue that. I think it's a great question, Spencer. And I'm, what we have found, you know, what we found in the International Olympic Committee, for example, is that uh, you shouldn't just wait until the end of a project or an engagement or something like this to ask these kinds of questions, especially for long, complex projects. So those questions should be asked throughout the process. In the, in the, uh, in the International Olympic Committee model, uh, I interview people at five different points in time throughout a seven-year uh, engagement that an organized, you know, organized committees, they, they take seven years to plan and deliver a games. And so you know, rather than wait till the end, we engage them from the beginning and at, at key strategic points. And, you know, if you are a team and you're delivering projects, 
you may want to consider, hey, let's not just wait until the debrief to capture this, but let's do it throughout this process. You can even ask these questions ahead of time. You know, before a project begins, before an engagement begins, you can ask people to say, hey, what is it that we expect that's going to happen? Or what's the most important outcome that I hope to achieve as being part of this project, right? Uh, and then ask them throughout the project how things are going. And then once the project is over, debrief. And then months or even years later, uh, you can ask the questions about the impact. Uh, for example, this year we're, we're starting uh, with the International Olympic Committee legacy interviews. And we'll be interviewing some people from London 2012, 10 years after the games were held, to understand the long-term impacts of hosting the games in that country. And so uh, if you go through this continuum, what you're telling people throughout this process is that they matter. And you want to engage with them throughout it, not just at the end to get the lesson learned, but go through the entire process with them. So I, I love that. And I think that is so, so important. And I, I, I heard you say that the the types of, First of all, questions are, are super important because you don't want to leave the stories up to just kind of happen randomly unless they're feedback. But if it's a, it, when we're talking about internal team building, there needs to be a focus and a, and a purpose to the, to, this, uh, to the story so that it reinforces uh, you know, a culture, a, a team, or a theme that, that you're wanting to focus on. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think probably the most important thing when it comes to questions is that people need to feel comfortable, right? You're how do you, you and how do you do that? So, so uh, one way to do that is you try to eliminate surprises. So, engage with them early. Send them questions beforehand. Don't ask questions off the cuff. Let people feel like they've had time to prepare. Not all people will, and that's okay. But at least you've given them the opportunity, so they know. Hey, this this person or this company is taking my feelings into consideration, right? They uh, so you've given them a question. Uh, then the next way is is to phrase the question as much as possible in a non-confrontational way, so that they feel like they're among friends, right? Again, you want them to feel comfortable, so uh, you know, be be careful in your choice of words and also in the the person. So, for example, with the International Olympic Committee, uh, you know, when we ask them about a challenge, we ask them about we ask them this way. Uh, you know, what was the what was the the biggest challenge that your area faced, and how was it resolved? And what this does is it kind of removes a little bit of the personal from it. Right. And you're focusing on their area. And so they can speak on behalf of their area and they don't feel like you're kind of directly confronting them. Yeah. Like, uh, so, you know, what was, what was your biggest problem? <laughs> or, right. or, or, or why did you, do, you know, we, we avoid why questions like now, why, why, did you do why is okay, way? Christian, as a follow on question? Uh -oh. It is, if you've built credibility and trust, right. then why is okay? But if you're asking people, you know, why did you make this decision yeah. from the outset, then they feel defensive. They, right. I have to For defend sure. myself. You know, and so and and so instead of telling a story, what they're doing is they're explaining themselves. And and uh, that's what you want to avoid. You want people to feel comfortable in telling you a story. And stories really come from questions like how and what 
and when uh, rather than why. And the and, other thing would be to avoid yes, no. <laughs> yeah, because, for sure. Th those are those are closed ended questions. But Christian, yeah. there is a there is a hierarchy of question when it comes to gathering information. There's a funnel. Uh, if you will, and and the and the what questions that you started with are great for just very broad. They're very non-threatening, and then how and and where, of course, more uh, directed, open-ended questions, and so focused. And then you can actually get to yes or no at the bottom. When so, how did you know? Did that work out or did it not? But you've you've got the the broad question in the beginning, or even something like help you know help us understand or please. Understand what the process was and not, no, what, not what you, but what was the process to what helped you succeed, for example, or what helped the team succeed. So those are some examples of ways you can ask questions to really get the conversation started. What else did you do? And we've got an, a question, which we'll get to uh, John in, in a moment, but what else did you do to help set people at ease so that they were more comfortable sharing and not saying, uh, sharing how they really felt and not just what you want to hear? Because that's important, I think. Uh, well, a big one now is technology. Uh, mm -hmm. When we started this program, we were doing everything in person. All of the interviews were conducted in person. And so there are a lot of things you can do in person to help people feel at ease, right? You can have coffee and snacks and water and you know you can you can have a process to invite people in and sit them down and have a little conversation ahead of time and not all of that uh, and then that went away a lot of that went away when when COVID hit and we started doing everything remotely and and now all of the interviews are done are done remotely and and so one of the challenges that we have with remote that we didn't have with in person is getting people comfortable with the technology mm. and and some people are already comfortable, like, oh, yeah, we use Teams, we use Zoom, I'm familiar with this. Um, but there are new technologies that may, you know, give you some more fit for purpose results that people may not be familiar with. You know, we, we, we now use a, a, a platform called Riverside for a lot of our interviews because it, rec it does a better job with audio and video uh, recording. Uh, and doesn't get hung up when things freeze on Zoom or Teams and things of that nature. Like well, we just like like we just experienced. Like we just experienced, and <laughs> some people are not familiar with that. And certainly with our platform Raconto, people are not familiar with that, and so they need some level of comfort with the technology, and 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 because that makes people nervous if they if they can't figure out how to use something, then they can get a little bit uptight. So uh, you've got to help people feel a little bit comfortable with the technology. And some of that is just providing some very uh, detailed instructions to people ahead of time to say, okay, this is what, this is the link you're going to click. And then the browser is going to ask you to give permissions for the microphone and the camera. So uh, please allow the browser permissions. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, for this particular technology, you have to use Google Chrome or you can or cannot join from your phone. You've got to set some expectations, right? And they need to have some instructions like, okay, if I follow this, then I know I'm going to be able to get in and, and have a conversation. And, and so a lot of it, uh, you know, helping pe people feel comfortable now is just getting them used to the tools. <laughs> uh, we didn't have to worry so much about that within person, but now we do. And so the more information you can provide about the tool, uh, the better. So that's that's one particular aspect of it.
Well, it seems to me, Christian, that if you are gathering these stories internally about projects and about and you're asking questions about how what they do ties to mission, vision, you know, just culture type questions. Those are things that actually are assets, not only to perpetuate that infectiousness, as Patrick said, the culture also are assets in the, the recruiting wars right now that I think that you can share. I mean, I, I wish glass use this instead of just having, you know, written, they could have people say, well, hey, here was my experience with ABC company. But if you did that proactively and had those stories and and shared them, people come in and, you know, the company, you know, I know uh, Zappos used to put out a culture book every year and they would have stories and pictures of, of their culture. Well, here you actually have an opportunity to create this video story of, of people and how they're experiencing working for I think that can really help create a, a sense of, of corporate pride, team pride, and and productivity, which leads to productivity. I just I, I skipped a, a thought there. <laughs> I think it's a great point, Spencer, that you make. Uh, when you record this content on video, you generate assets that can be repurposed in any number of ways. Right? Yeah. So. So whether it's uh, you're getting video testimonials, which you could then repurpose on your website in presentations and so on, or whether you're collecting project debriefs and knowledge, which could then be uh, incorporated, you know, the clips uh, can be incorporated into workshops and seminars and uh, online training and things of this nature. Uh, it's the, the, the possibilities are virtually limitless to use and repurpose this content. And so it's a really, really efficient way uh, by having people record this stuff on video. It's super efficient to get all of these assets, which you can then repurpose. Um, I'm, I'm a huge believer in that, 100%. Here is a new question from uh, John Zozaro. What are the ways Raconto can help increase business-to-business -business conversations? How would you answer that? All right. Well, I think the question said conversions. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, conversions. You're exactly right. Business-to-business, -business, not conversations, but conversions. Sorry. So that's, that's, a, that's a really great question. Um, storytelling is becoming more important with brands. Uh, we see that uh, 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 brands that have an effective story convert up to 30% of their leads. Uh, we see that uh, uh, customers who who kind of buy into a brand story are 55% more likely to buy from them eventually, even if they don't purchase immediately. But again, uh, it all comes down to trust. And today, video is becoming more important than ever. You know. Uh, I, I just saw a statistic. I was looking it up again. This is from the Wise Owl people. I mean, the the numbers are are uh, mind blowing. Ninety. Listen to this. Ninety six percent of people have watched an explainer video to learn more about a product or service, and eighty eight percent of people have said they've been convinced to buy a product or service by watching a brand's video. Seventy seven percent or seventy nine percent of people. Uh, uh, have said that video testimonials have played a part in their decision-making process. 
to buy products or services. So when you, when you have a compelling story that is reinforced by the crowd, uh, your chances of converting increase substantially, you know, 30% or more. So uh, it does definitely have an impact uh, on the sales side when you are incorporating uh, testimonials and feedback from customers, particularly given through video, because people now more than ever are consuming video. I think the latest statistics are something like uh, people on average are consuming 19 hours of video content a week online. So it's, uh, uh, and, and, in, and in today's TikTok uh, generation where people are used to seeing video, especially uh, uh, younger folks, people younger than I am, uh, if you want to reach them, you're going to reach them through video. I mean, it's as, as simple as that. So you could do an internal Reconto challenge and uh, collect some of those videos and, and people should feel fairly comfortable, uh, you know, telling their stories because they every day anyway. Yeah, I mean, it didn't used to be that way. People were reticent to record things on video and they didn't like the way that they looked on video and they didn't like the sound of their voice on audio. But then the pandemic hit and we all started doing Zoom meetings and we just had to get used to the fact of seeing ourselves on video or hearing ourselves on audio. And then TikTok, uh, the proliferation of TikTok and, and um, you know Instagram reels and, and YouTube shorts and all of these kind of things. I mean, everybody's recording stuff on video now, so it's become much more pervasive. And so a larger percentage of us people who might be a little bit older are becoming more comfortable with it. And the people who are younger, they were born comfortable with it. So it's just completely natural for them. What do you mean us? What are you, t- are you referring to? <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, you know. So, so this is a, a tool that has, has come out fairly recently and of interest. You've been talking to a lot of organizations. I know the National Association, for example, is and and they they love this idea because so many entrepreneurs and coaches and executives are are looking for uh, ways to easily collect you know crowdsourced testimonials and as you talked about you could actually have that part of your presentation take this picture and and liked what you didn't like what you'd like to see next time I mean there, there, there's so much you know process for improvement uh, looking at projects what went well what 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 didn't go well so you've got like Project Management Institute, where can really benefit from this. And then you're talking to individual major corporations and also, uh, you know, the original that you came in, Jenny, I know you are so busy with this. So my question to you is, what's next? I mean, as you've been this tool evolve, how are you seeing, you know, what what are some of the things you're, you're doing? Uh, for example, one of the things that I think makes this so useful is that it actually transcribes your video for you. And that's something, you know, if you're, if you're recording like this podcast, for example, if it was done on Reconto, it, we could have an entire transcription of it. And that is hugely valuable to uh, just business people. But what else is coming? What else is new for, for you in the tool? Where do you, where do you see it going? Uh, well, we're super excited about it um, because if you look at the process from soup to nuts, the process starts out with you as an organization have a question that you would like answered and mm-hmm. you would like that question answered by the crowd, whether that crowd is your clients, whether it is prospective customers, whether it is employees or partners, but you have this question that you would like to have asked. The whole process of uh, 
creating or documenting this question and then sending it out to your audience, receiving the feedback through video, curating that content, deciding which content should be published or not, and then actually putting that content on your website or platform. Uh, that entire process now can be managed through this. So we, 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 we minimize the friction and the pain of having to go through this, uh, including, like you say, the transcription. So everything is kind of in this, this same toolbox and it makes it very, very simple. Uh, so that you don't have to say, oh, like you were talking about, I got to run around after my keynote is done and I got to see if I can find five people that will have something good to say about it and take around the crew. You know, now people can do that with, without you having to incur the expense of hiring uh, an expensive production team. You can get a lot more people to respond because they all can just scan that QR code and give you a 30 second or one minute video recording. You don't have to say, oh, well, uh, now I got to I got to take this over to uh, a transcription service because it will automatically do that there, and you don't have to worry about well, I got you know with social media you you might get a bunch of responses some of them that you don't necessarily like or want published. Well, here you have complete control over the curation of this content. You decide which content will be made available to the public and which will not, and then. Uh, you know, very soon, uh, within the next three weeks, we'll have the Raconto Player release, which I'm re really excited about. This works just like embedding a YouTube uh, player on your website. Uh, we just give you an embed code, and then you can put these uh, these collections of testimonials or feedback or learnings or whatever right right onto your website, so people can come in and they can view that content without having to create uh, accounts, without having to download software. Uh, you know, very, very seamless process. They can just come right into your own web experience and then, and then see that content firsthand. And literally you are just ticking boxes. Yes. I want people to see this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and boom, it's up there on your website. So super easy. So that entire process is now, uh, being simplified and made available through this one, this one tool. Really excited about it. That is very, very, very exciting. And I am uh, so grateful, Christian, that you were taking the time today to share a little bit about us and uh, just share what you're working on with us and how this can help our teams perform at a higher level. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to use it more and more and uh, report how it's, it, it's helping in my And so you know, how can people, if people want to learn a little bit more about Raconto, where do they, where do they find it, Christian? How do they, how do they get a hold of you or, or test out the tool? Uh, you can go to the website. It's uh, Raconto, R-A-K-O-N-T-O dot I-O. So not dot com, dot I-O, Raconto dot I-O. You can also uh, look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Christian Napier. You can go to our Raconto page. Uh, we have a Raconto Inc. Uh, uh, page on LinkedIn as well. So many different ways, but if you've got a question, please uh, feel free to reach out to me directly. Uh, my email address is Christian at raconto.io and I'm happy to answer any questions that anybody has. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we hope uh, listeners that if you're enjoying the information that we're sharing with you, that you like and subscribe the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. You can find it on just about any platform. We do stream live on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. We're, we're hoping to get on 
and YouTube live uh, soon. We also have a newsletter, uh, Teamwork a Better Way newsletter on LinkedIn, and we hope you subscribe so you can get great content, you know, short stories that will be applicable to your business in strengthening the team performance of uh, the members of, of your team there at, uh, at your business. And we are so grateful to all the listeners that have, uh, you know, join us weekly from around the world. And we hope that you will join us next week. We have some exciting guests coming up um, that uh, that we're working on. One that we have coming up in July. I'm really, really excited about. We'll we'll talk about that when we get a little bit closer. So thank you so much for, for joining us, everyone. And have a great west, rest of your week. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone.